Hello, hello, and welcome back to DFT's Dungeon. My name is Daniel Terry, and on this episode, I'm talking with one of my good friends, Brian Patton of the As the Story Grows podcast, about a record that we both have a little bit of history with, and that record is 10 Stories by Me Without You. This record hit me at a very interesting time in my life, although the more you listen to this podcast, you might be asking yourself, Dan, when was a time in your life not interesting? Well, we'll wait until the later seasons before we start getting into the really boring and mundane stuff, but Brian and I talk a lot about our history as music journalists or up-and-coming music journalists and what that entailed and what that was like and how both of our stories seem to intersect with 10 stories. So instead of me just explaining it to you for you, I'll let you listen to our conversation. So let's get into it. So you and I were talking on Discord recently, like we often do. Every day. <laughs> about literally every day. Yeah. Like if I don't if I don't send Brian Patton a meme every morning, then like everything feels off for the rest of the day. But you were telling me about ten stories by yeah. me without you and how it was it came out at a time um, when you were either getting I'll let you tell the story so you could tell me if I'm wrong. But it was when you were sort of getting into like legit music journalism yeah yeah so one i want to start off by saying this is like a real full circle moment as the first episode of discography discussion i did was me without use discography <laughs> yeah yeah so we'll, we'll tell a really long story because that's what we do here yeah. um so in the department of redundancy department i'm obsessed with music uh, and as as you are when you host a music podcast as you are um so I've I, heard that. yeah, yeah. So I had an online fanzine. Uh, I, I want to say, in high school, late high school, uh, called X Alive Is Dead X, because um, I was I was really into Zayo. I don't know if you remember hxc.com if you were into this uh, scene I'm at familiar, that point. Yes, <laughs> um, they had web hosting for a while, and so I was. That's how I did my website and my zine. And that's when I got into uh, interviewing bands for the first time. And so like a bunch of former As the Story Grows guests, I actually interviewed way back then. Ted Cookerly from EDL, Ronnie Martin from Joy Electric, uh, Aaron Sprinkle. Just uh, that might have been it. Not many because uh, HXC.com ended their web hosting and that was the end of my internet capabilities. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know what to do now. So that was my short-lived zine. Um, and like somebody... You know, you often hear stories from people who are like a teacher or a parent who sees something in you and encourages you to go a direction. And like, you're really good at this or you're passionate about this. Why don't you pursue journalism? I did not have that in my life. So I did not do that. <laughs> Instead, I was just like, I just like music. I don't know what to do. I'll go to school for recording engineering, which has benefited me in podcast stuff. So it all worked out. So if we jump ahead to 2012, I was without a job. Um, dating my wife, just doing a lot of freelance work. Um, oh, same. Freelance engineering. Um, I had my own studio at my house trying to do music projects, but just kind of listless and trying to figure out what to do. 
But back in 2009, I'd started uh, a blogspot page, patentonmusic.blogspot.com, to do album reviews because I was like, I don't know, that would be a fun thing to do. And then I, I left my job I had at the time. And so that's what I spent my time doing, reviewing albums. And I could take some of those album reviews and send them off to basically pitch as like to write freelance for any publication that would let me write album reviews. So the Time 10 Stories comes out. I had had a friend. I don't know his relationship, but he knew a guy who was starting a news website, the Arlington Mercury, to cover local uh, Northern Virginia and Washington, D.C. news. And they needed someone to review music. And he recommended me. So I emailed the guy. I emailed him some reviews that I was really proud of. And he was like, yeah, once a month or twice, once every two months, you write a piece for our site. You'll be our music contributor. Awesome. One of the album reviews I wrote was for 10 stories. Um, and that website, Arlington Mercury, no longer exists. Um, but I put the review on my blog. So I, I just want to read some of this because it's, sure, yeah. um, this, I, I th think it's kind of funny. Um, it's all crazy. It's all false. It's all a dream. It's all right. The title for me without you's fourth full length was like a four step guide to how fans would react to the record, like the 12 <laughs> stages of grief. It's all crazy was a record I had anticipated and was very excited about, but it turned out to be the most disappointed I've ever been in a record. Oh, me no. Without, I know. <laughs> me Without You has had such a strong discography up to this point, each record just as good as the last, each showing growth, and each was a progression of the band getting better and better. It's All Crazy was not just a punch in the stomach, but a knockout blow that leaves you in a coma. I know every band has released an album that feels like your girlfriend is cheating on you, but It's All Crazy was more like finding out God doesn't exist. <laughs> Oh no. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> I was I was brutal to that record. Um but then I go on to talk about 10 stories and like how it is that bridge that should have been before you got to it's all crazy. That's what 10 stories felt like. It, it felt like the orders were out of place. Um and I really like 10 stories. At that same time, I had another friend who connected me with his editor at uh brightest young things uh to do live album reviews and so i wrote a review of me without you the kickoff show at black cat in washington dc for the 10 stories tour um and yeah this is the only time i wrote a live show review because i hated doing it <laughs> yeah, yeah i was like this is not my my bag i like going to the show for free that's always fun but i was already doing that as a photographer freelance and i was like I, I don't want to have to go to a show and then write about it because I there's an air of like not enjoying it as much. Yeah, because it's like, what do you write? Like, yeah, so I got there early. Let's see. The band came on three minutes after, you know, it said on the flyer right. they were going to come on. They played a collection of songs. Some I think were great. Some of them I wish they'd played other songs. Mm -hmm. uh, the band didn't mess up while they were playing their songs. Like, I don't know. Right. Like, it's live concert reviews are really hard for me to yeah. talk about as well i didn't never really know what people want to hear yeah yeah so i'll i'll just I'll, I'll read some of this like yeah there's an air of anticipation thursday night at black cat me without you just released their new record 10 stories two days earlier thursday night show was the first night of the band 10 stories tour stuff on the opening band whatever uh the room crowded the stage in anticipation of me without you making black cat look almost empty 
The band set up quietly and getting the nod of approval to start ripped into February 1878. The band was on full blast, but the crowd seemed to be holding back, not sure what to make of the new songs. There was still this tension in the room, like a balloon about to pop. And that balloon popped when the band played Silencer off their debut record, A to B Life. Everyone in the room, from the band to all those who paid to get into the door, went nuts. And it was as if new life had taken form. I mean, like, this is like a big moment because it's like there were moments where people were just letting me write and like about bands I loved and I was getting paid to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you're just like, awesome. this, this is what, this is what I, I want to be doing. And you know, that website went away and I never wrote live reviews again. And I, I mean, that, that was it for a long time. Um, and I mean, I tried my hand at journalism. I was writing for a, a local site in DC covering the hockey team. Um, I was doing politics and religion for a while. That will suck the life out of you. Why I drank so much. Like cover oh politics gosh. and religion. Um, and it wasn't like until like meeting Travis and getting to edit as the story grows and then taking over as host where it's like, okay, I get to do this thing that I love. And like now we're almost at five years of me hosting the show. And as you know, me talking about every day, like I feel like the show has myself as an interviewer has crested this next level where it's like something has unlocked recently and it just like that all starts with getting to do these like 10 stories reviews so that's why this record is such important because it's this moment of just like yeah i love doing music journalism same same and it, sometimes it's hard for me to admit that what we do is music journalism because a lot of the times i just feel like a kid in a candy store right you know where it's like i get to i get to talk about anything i want you know, because even the stuff, and I'll get into this a little bit later, even the the writing that I would do, because I did a lot of the same things. Like I started a blog a long time ago. I did a I did a Christian metal magazine whenever I was younger, and I would write my own reviews and interview people. And um, I would also I also had that grind of like sending my reviews out to different websites, trying to get them to pick it up, and mm -hmm. all of that. And we we only got paid an exposure, you know. Uh, oh yeah but you got your name on there like one of these days you'll be very respected as a music reviewer i'm still waiting for that i'm sure it's coming though I'm just i'm just holding on yeah this record came out you know being in 2012 was also a transitionary period it's funny to say you're you're like yeah my wife was working full-time i was pretty much in the same boat it, it is kind of funny like what the lifestyle of the podcaster is like how similar <laughs> <laughs> it can be yeah. um you know really we should have been doing this in 2012 you mm -hmm. know, uh, it, and then we, we would probably be on a totally different echelon, you know, a different tier of right. podcasting. But, um, you know, I didn't have gear. I didn't have gear until like 2020, until I had to have gear at home. Yeah. You know, um, I just I just went over to somebody's house and recorded podcasts before that, you know. But when this record came out, I remember the first time I heard uh, February 1878. February. I was like, okay, so right there, like a throwback of the title. Like the title made me not as surprised about how the song sounded, you know, because yeah. I was like, okay, they're clearly doing a thing. Now, don't get me wrong to your absolute brutalization <laughs> of it's all crazy, it's all false. Bullet you know, they kind of, I mean, Bullet <laughs> to Binary Part 2 was a little rough uh, if you're a fan <laughs> of the original, you know. 
the, the original it's like this this super energetic post hardcore opus and you know dude screaming it's all high energy bolt of binary part two is a song about vegetables talking to each other you know what i mean like it's very very low energy um yeah. it, it sounds like the opening riff sounds like the same opening riff but it's like it sounds sick but not like <laughs> the good not the good sick um it was just uh it was very disappointing that record was and even though i have come to love that record now um i'll do a whole solo episode on that record there, there's a lot of ground to cover there mm -hmm. but with this album i remember i was sitting i was waiting for my math class to start because i had decided to go back to college after i'd lost my bank job you know I, i'd sat around feeling sorry for myself and was like you know this when my wife sat down and we had that sort of like end of high fidelity moment of like what do you like to do you know what do you want to do and my answer is always like, well, I, you know, I just want to talk about music. I don't want to be a banker or I don't want to be a this or that, you know? Yeah. I don't want to do these things. Like, that's not who I am, you know? It's not how I envisioned myself whenever I first developed the passions that I developed. And so I remember hearing this song. I arrived, I decided to go back to college. This time I went, I specifically went to college for journalism. Uh, I was trying to get Smart. an associate's degree in journalism. And um, I was waiting for a math class that I, for some reason, needed for a journalism degree. And uh, I was waiting for the class to start, and I pulled up. It was like just a preview of February 1878. And just hearing it in its entire... I mean, I listened to the preview like five, six, seven, eight times. And I was like... I felt like really, really reassured, you know, like mm -hmm. like your dad's putting your putting his hand on your back and being like, you're good, you know, like, like don't <laughs> worry about anything. Uh, and that's that's largely how I felt about about this record, especially after I got it. I, I I remember being a little bit disappointed that more of the songs weren't like, you know, 1878 and like Log Flume, you know, like I wanted those songs yeah. um, all the time. And, you know, to the band's credit, they had already released about three albums full of songs that were like that, <laughs> you know, in the right. past. But uh, I, this this one was very particularly interesting to me because of how it combined the things from the previous album with the older Me Without You sound. Mm -hmm. It's hard to talk about 10 stories without talking about It's All Crazy. And with it's all crazy that was whenever like that they'd sort of introduced us to the idea of like we're gonna write songs that are basically like folk tales yeah. <laughs> you know like repurposed folk tales and so they started doing a little bit of that in brother sister and then they just went completely all in they just jumped right into the pool uh with it's all crazy and so over the years of sort of trying trying to digest that album I started, you know, really trying to dig into the folk tales, try to find like the the deeper meanings behind the songs, and they're definitely there. That's a record that you can, you could make an entire conspiracy theorist board of different connections and things, and a lot of the stuff actually does tie back into uh, Aaron's personal life, mm -hmm. but it's like really, really hidden in there. Like you know, um, you'd almost need a literature degree to kind of be able to read between the lines on that one. But I remember that album being great years later to show to my kids just because they liked hearing the songs about animals, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what was great about this record was that uh, they kept kind of the animal theme with the record essentially being about um, 
I like how last week I was like, oh, God, I hate talking about concept albums. But this one and this one's kind of a concept album. I don't know yeah. if they would call it that, but it's uh, I mean, it's clearly an album about like a circus train that has crashed and and sort of details the animals adventures as, as they left the crash site. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, so. Yeah. 18 February 1878. It's like obviously sounds like january 1979 and it's pacing and it's uh it's vocal delivery and all of that and you feel really reassured and then you listen to the lyrics and you know it's an elephant like being like let's crash this train right now you know what i mean like let's uh i'm gonna throw my body i'm gonna throw it off balance this train's going down like so it's all like very very exciting so it's interesting you know like you said more eloquently earlier how they've sort of mixed mixed the old with the new but in a much more like, I guess, fan servicey kind of way. Like, I think after that record comes out, it's like, okay, if we do another one like that, like even the people that are still holding on after that last one might reconsider, you know, I know me without you is not that kind of band necessarily, mm-hmm. or where they yeah. like necessarily care about that sort of stuff. But when you put a record out like this, after putting out such a divisive one before, you know, clearly somebody was thinking along the line of like we should sort of go back a little bit to what to what we were doing before yeah well there was a a phase of after it was all crazy where me without you was quiet and it was like you weren't sure if they were ever going to make music again there's a radio station up in philadelphia uh wkexp um and like it's like public radio but for music and it's it's actually like a quality radio station you could listen to, but they had a feature on me without you. That was like a video feature that I remember being on YouTube of the band playing new songs in their studio and talking about like the influence of like Fugazi being an in big influence on 10 stories and Lou Reed. And I remember being like, okay, like if that's the vibe they're going for, that could be really interesting on. Yeah. It's all crazy when they were like, yeah, we're working with Daniel Danielson from the Danielson family yeah. as producer, you should have been like, well, okay, that's exactly what we got. Yeah. yeah. But he produced 10 stories too. And it, it's a whole different vibe. Going back to your point on the lyrics, you know, one of the things I said in my review um, was, yeah, February 1878 about a circus train derailment in the Pacific Northwest that sets the animals free. The album tracks the trajectory of different animals as they break free and are on their own. February 1878 is a story, but it's also about becoming so accustomed to our situations that we become comfortable in harsh living conditions rather than breaking free to find something new. The track talks about the tiger that stays in her cage despite the ability to leave when the cage breaks open. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like super deep, like stuff. Like these songs are so wrapped up in like this mystery and this story, but it's also like they're st- yeah, that extra layer, that peeling of the onion of what Aaron's trying to say. I mean, you listen to Log Flume and it's like there's this like heartbreak in there. Yeah, it's it's like everything is so many layers deep. <laughs> and I'll be honest, as much as because like when we did the discography discussion on this one, I think I said this was my favorite record by the band. Yeah. And I think that's partially true. Um, in my Tony Danza episode, I talked about um how I drove around installing people's cable, listening to uh, Tony Danza. But, uh, you know, I obviously that was like over a, a three year period. So I listened to a lot of records, yes. you know, uh, during that time. And um, this was definitely one of them that was that was in rotation a lot. 
And I listened to it a lot whenever I was like driving in the old country because like I didn't predominantly work in the city. Um, I actually preferred to work in the city, if you can believe that. Uh, the people were, were nicer and friendlier and there was more infrastructure. When you're working out in the country, like you have to sort of build everything yourself. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things about about that job was driving how much time I got to drive around and driving around in like in the country, like away from like metropolitan areas and sort of like rolling. You know, one of my favorite things to do in like October, November was roll my windows down because it wasn't so cold and I could just like feel the country air and drive and like listen to these songs and kind of, I don't want to say relax, but kind of contemplate, like listen to them in a way that wasn't just like, I'm doing something and this is just the noise that I'm listening to, you know? Uh, it was kind of the opposite in the sense of like, this is the sole thing that I'm focusing on and the driving from point A to point B is the thing that doesn't require a lot of brain power. surprisingly didn't get any into any accidents uh with that mindset but it was uh, there's no other traffic um <laughs> but what i like about this album though is how it goes so many different places like in the story um mm -hmm. and how all the all of the animals sort of spread out and just go in every conceivable direction and I always kind of enjoyed that, like that parallel of I was always going different places. I never went to one specific area. It might be a 40 minute drive from where I was at. And I'd have all this time to kind of listen to, you know, I could, it, with a 40 minute drive, you can listen to an entire album start to finish. Yeah. And so I did that a lot when I was doing that job and listening to this record. And I think that's why it grew on me in a way that the others probably would have grown on me had I been in the same situation, you know, yeah. with those records. And uh, it's crazy now thinking about it too in 2023 that like when I wanted to listen to this album, I had to like take it out of a CD case and put it in a portable, in a, in a disc man and then like tune it to the right radio station on my work truck's radio. But yeah, I mean, I probably listened to this record maybe one or 200 times in that time period. It really accustomed me, accustomed me. It definitely got me more accustomed to Me Without You as a storytelling band because yeah. they'd always been a storytelling band before, but it was always like micro stories. And this was kind of one of the first albums that I was like, okay, so on surface level, it's about this, but it's not really about this. It's about this other thing that is sort of tying it all together. I also just liked the feeling of exploration and the endless possibility. Like you never really knew what the next song was going to be about or, you know, it was at least nice enough to sometimes label like which animal <laughs> it was right. you know, uh, the elephant ends up getting put on trial you know for the <laughs> for yeah. the train derailment um you know the uh the bear's vision of saint agnes is like probably one of the saddest songs i've ever heard in my life um and then you know of course it all it all comes together with all circles i was gonna make an all circles joke earlier when you were like yeah, so we've come full circle. My first episode of discography discussion was, <laughs> you know, but uh, to to add, a, I'm rambling a bit, and I think that's in the spirit uh, of this band. But <laughs> you know, with with where I was at when this record came out, it's interesting that it was obviously during a transitional period in my life. 
And, uh, you know, I didn't finish that journalism degree. Instead, I took a full-time job, you know, as a, as a cable installer and, um, you know, craziness ensued. But the interesting thing about coming back to this album now in 2023 is that I'm also kind of like in, in mid season here, I had a total different vision for what season two was going to be, uh, before I, before I went into it, you know, because of what we had done on season one. And so like my big transitionary thing has been more lately in 2022, it was like, that was kind of my, it's all crazy. It's all false phase. Right. Uh, I used to joke with you all the time on discord about how, like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do an episode about Power Rangers. And now I'm going to do an episode about Nightmare Before Christmas. And it was very like, you know, I think those are still good episodes. Yeah. Like, I still like them. But um, I used to always joke that, like, I'm all about that. Let's see how much the listener can take before they bail kind of energy. That's kind of what It's All Crazy, It's All False was. And just the way I constructed season one, you know, because I was trying to be so opposite of what I was before. You know, mm-hmm. because before it was like harsh, you know, I talk about how brutal I was about bands on discography discussion. But after hearing that review that you wrote, I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm a little bit like, man, I should have stepped my game up a little bit. <laughs> uh, that was this this album is like finding out God doesn't exist. Oh my God. <laughs> like wild. But yeah. um, but I was known for just sort of being a negative force you know, in, in yep. music and, and trying to, trying to show, you know, on discography discussion, it was all about how Dan Terry wants bands to sound instead of Dan Terry talking about how bands already sound. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I wanted to run as far away from that as possible. And with that show dragging on for as long as it did. And, um, that, that feeling of kind of like what you said, how it, it was more comfortable to sort of live in that dissatisfying state than it was to actually change anything you know and um so i like related that really hard and that's kind of how i felt about it so then whenever i finally did derail the train (laughs) you know and get off you know i think it was immediately like i want to strike out and i want to do something like really 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 different and i think that's what season one was was like look at all this other stuff you know, like all these albums and these memories and the storytelling and the, I can do so much more stuff than just talk shit about bands. And so it's interesting coming into season two where we're starting to get back into like I'm reviewing albums again yeah. in a way that, you know, I didn't before. And so it's fun kind of coming back to this record because I feel like that type of energy is what this record sort of represents where it's like, the old energy is back it it exists in that form and we're comfortable with it but all of that little stuff the fables the animal stories the 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 you know all of that is being mixed in with that same energy and i guess that's what this record you know if this was a solo episode i would have said this sentence at the very end you know like (laughs) that's what this you know that's what this this record is for me i loved that we didn't plan this like yeah just randomly you just message me and you're like we should talk about 10 stories and i was like yeah yeah yeah, let's do that you know but yeah as far as like me just spoiling it you know halfway through the episode that's that's what this album represents to me that's the big life change is it being a very recent one and i didn't come to that conclusion until probably yesterday when i was driving home from work like i didn't have that thought process but i remember driving home and i was listening to fox dream of the log flume and it gets you know 
like half of that song is very like light and subdued and it's it's a great song but the 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 front half is absolutely what i'm talking about it is so on brand me without you right right in a way that you have not even heard i mean even even february 1878 doesn't quite hit it the way this one does yeah and there, there's a there's a very particular moment in this song. You know, whenever he's whenever he starts building into intensity, and his his words get faster, and the the rhythm picks up, and it's just going, and it's hitting on all cylinders. dude that's how i felt when i was doing the converge episode you know all of a sudden because like i feel like in season one i was trying to avoid everything that was similar to what i was doing before and i'm not afraid to do that anymore and this song was 100 like exact parallel (laughs) to that where like they're still telling the story they're still telling the story but then he's also like he's telling a story about like you know what the fox saw Mm -hmm. not what the fox says but what the fox saw (laughs) and uh that's such an old joke i might cut that out yeah so i'm editing this episode right now and i've decided that uh i'm not going to cut that joke out that joke so many times recently too i don't know dad dad shit yeah like i said embrace your inner dad you know but yeah well like whenever he he's talking about like the what the fox sees but then he's also telling this like personal story of like i went down on one knee and the subsequent catastrophe has since hot you know it's like a dungeon episode in a, mm-hmm. in a song you know and uh <laughs> yeah. you know but it's funny because like when he starts hitting on all cylinders like that it gave me just like such a euphoric feeling you know yeah uh, where i was like this is if me without you wrote a wrote an album you know with 10 of these i i would think it's the best album of all time you yeah. know yeah yeah <laughs> let, let me let me ask you a, a random question but what is your me without you story when did you discover the band how did you become a fan okay well this i told you I this a little questions huh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the interviewer i'm the guy that talks too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great dynamic so i first heard me without you in um i would say probably like 2004 because obviously at that time I was a huge Norma Jean fan. And uh, so we, of course we'd all heard Aaron on Memphis will be laid to waste. Yeah. I didn't really think anything of it. Right. Like, cause like back then I was still kind of discovering heavy music. And so like, it didn't necessarily occur to me that like those vocals were somebody that wasn't in the band, you know, like, like, like looking back on it now, it's like, yeah, obviously that was a guest feature, but like, <laughs> you know, back then I was just like, I don't know. It's just a thing that Norma Jean does. I mean, they'd never done it on any of the other songs but you know i don't know how am i supposed to know that and uh and so it took a little bit of internet sleuthing to realize you know and i think it was my friend so i had two friends that told me about me without you around the same time i had this guy named kurt that i knew and kurt would always tell me about bands whether i heard him or not like he'd be like dude you ever heard of this band called haste the day and i'd be all like oh yeah i've heard of him he'd be like great and then he would just say whatever he was going to say anyway and so he tells me about me without you and uh, he didn't say anything about that that he was on the Norma Jean song, uh, but he was just like, "Yeah, this band sounds like the Beatles if the Beatles were a hardcore band." And uh, 
Well, I don't necessarily see that. Uh, I do. Uh, I, I appreciated his enthusiasm, and uh, I didn't really end up checking the band out. And I think it was it wasn't until I think Buddy reached out at one point and was like, "Bro, this band, you you know that cool part at the end of Memphis will be laid to waste. Yeah, that guy's in a band, and like all of their songs sound like that." <laughs> you know and i was yeah. like okay so i think the first song that i heard was uh was gentleman okay yeah. and uh you know as an angsty as an angsty teenager that was you know right up my alley it's yeah was almost scary you know <laughs> and uh so yeah I, I mean i i got pretty much instantly on board um interesting story i had a friend named bill because i didn't it was hard to buy albums i bought most of my albums at christian bookstores at the time and so I also didn't drive in like back then I didn't start driving till I was like 18. And so I had my friend Bill drive me up to the Christian bookstore. He drove me up to one way books and, um, I didn't have enough money for it. I only had like, I only had like $12 and he had, <laughs> and he, he was like, all right, well, I'll just, you give me your $12 and I'll just pay for the whole thing. And, uh, I was like, cool. And so then it was like this weird thing where we like, both owned the album like we both decided that we yeah. that we both owned it but like it wasn't even fair because like i took it home that day and i never let him hear it or see it or touch it or anything ever again you know um it was mine and yeah that record absolutely like really met me where i was at at the time it's like mm -hmm. probably the most immature me without you record yeah it's all about a breakup so yeah the whole record is about a breakup but like back then i mean Heart you're age. just like yeah. Yeah, you're listening to it and you're like, this band gets me, you know? <laughs> right. And it's like the first time I played Final Fantasy VII. I was like, this is really deep. But when they went to Catch Rest the Foxes, that was kind of where I started noticing the spiritual aspect of the band a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was like really into that for a while, like kind of kind of trying to pinpoint all the all the references you know, to Christianity and the references to, uh, the, well, there's, there's like, I don't think, I think you started the references to Islam until brother sister. Yeah. There might've been, there might've been a little bit of that in catch for us. Um, but I remember just really being hardcore into me without you and, um, have been since like that never really stopped, <laughs> you know, that, that yeah. curiosity of like, what are they going to do next? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. You're up. I got to tie into your Beatles story. So my Me Without You experience, I remember Tooth and Nail announced Me Without You and Dead Poetic had signed to the label right about the same time. Yeah. And so I saw Me Without You uh, in uh, in Annapolis, Maryland at Riva Trace Baptist Church. It was Further Seems Forever, Narcissus, Dead Poetic and Me Without You. Me Without You opened the show. Um <clears throat> And these guys come out on stage and at that time they were wearing like the heavy tweed suits and they yeah. all played hollow body guitars and they were putting flowers over the stage and we were like, you're looking for the horns because you're like, this is a ska band, right? Well, no, we're just like, this is going to be some like Beatles revival 60s hippie shit. Like, <laughs> because at that point when Tooth and Nail announced a band, there were no singles to go along with that. It was just, we've signed me without you. Here's a picture. If you were lucky, that's all right. you got. And if, if you didn't have access to their indie EP, then you had nothing. So my headcanon is they opened with Bullet to Binary because A to B Life was not out yet. And I think that just makes sense because I just remember the buildup in the music. And then when that song explodes, flowers exploded everywhere. And it was just like, oh, 
they're a hardcore band. Okay. Like, yeah. They're not a Beatles band. They are hardcore. <laughs> right. It's more and at so the drive-in like, than Beatles. Right, yeah. Right. Right. And so like, yeah, from that point on, you're just like, okay, me without you, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm in, as soon as the album comes out, we're buying it. So yeah, that, which is, which is why when I write a review of it's a, of 10 stories and I reference, it's all crazy. I'm very harsh. And I, I, I too have mellowed on that record because you see those songs live and you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah. But when you hear it coming off brother, sister, which was perfect. <laughs> you're just like, this is not that record. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard not to make those types of comparisons. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first time I heard It's All Crazy, I was just like, I mean, I just I took it out and just put a different <laughs> record in. You know, I was like, I don't have time for this. I, I bought this, you know, because it's a drug at that point. You get we get addicted to these bands. I don't think yeah. anybody ever phrases it that way, but right? <laughs> but you really do. And when they put a new album out, it's like finally getting that fix. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's been three years since, you know, like since kind of the blue balls of it's all crazy right. so whenever you whenever you hear february 1878 you're like oh my god They're this back. is it oh I'm back yeah. in oh you know it's like it's like having a cigarette it, you know if you're a smoker uh it, it's like having a cigarette like you know two weeks after your last one you know like completely cold turkey and so it feels good and i think that's what really attracted me to this record is that it just it just feels right yeah you know um and it's funny because we had all that time to sort of digest because I, I kind of wonder, because you, you said earlier that if that the order that the albums should have come out is like should have been brother, sister, this and then it's all crazy. Right. 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 I don't think that this would have been as well received. No, had probably that been not. The case. Uh, we needed those three years, whatever, to like really take in what it's all crazy was trying to do. And so whenever we hear those elements on this record, it doesn't affect us the same way. Right. You know, we're just like, yeah, like, this is the thing that Me Without You does. You and, know? and I think at that point, when 10 Stories comes out, you're not sure if Me Without You is ever going to release music again. Yeah. They've been quiet. They toured some. There was no official breakup, but you're just like, I don't know. They might not do anything ever again. And so when they give you new music, you're just like, okay, good. They're they're not done. Yeah. And then, and then their evolution back into being super heavy again from playing the old albums live on anniversary tours, you're just like, it, it would, it never went away. They just, you know, you get burnout on doing that thing. You always did. You try something new. It doesn't work. It's suicide silence, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And then, I mean, and then you go back to what works. <laughs> it's so funny. Cause I was really guilty of this in the past of saying like getting into this mindset that like, if a band ever stops doing like stops being heavy or stops doing, you know, screaming or whatever, I always just assume like, okay, it's just going to be this way forever now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're never going to go back and do the thing that I, that I wanted them to do. Uh, and that that's, I mean, largely why I would write bands off, Yeah, you know, because I'd be like, huh, you know, you're not doing the thing that I like. And I think sometimes that's, that's valid. You're allowed to not like everything, yeah. <laughs> you know, that a band puts out, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, when it's a band like me without you, I would say that a lot of the fans of me without you are very personally invested in it. Yeah. in a way that a lot of other bands they don't they don't create that type of loyalty yeah yeah and and, and we're not gonna forget Haley williams from paramore on the album oh yeah yeah go yeah you can go i'm not i'm not really that into paramore so like you know i i was that's your territory i, I think by the time by the time this record came out i i was into paramore 
I, I got Paramore stories too, but that's a different podcast. I'll come on your podcast and tell you like, oh, dude, I listened to Paramore for a week. This is what I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about Log Flume and yeah, totally forgot to mention that, <laughs> you know, that you have a Paramore guest on that song because it's the part of the song that like isn't necessarily the thing that I don't like about like, I'm not going to be negative here, but like the only thing I don't like about Fox's dream of the Log Flume is that it's. I like the first half of the song so much more than I like the second half of it to the point of like, I was like, I then just like have made that the next song, like chopped it, chopped it in half, you know? Um, but if you read the lyrics, like, it, it, you know, it, it's gotta be, it has to be the way that it is. You know, yeah, there, there's yeah. a reason it's arranged the way that it's arranged. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the whole song as it's composed and it's such a cool element. The Haley Williams thing is so interesting to me. Cause like, she was on the chariot record to yeah. uh, uh, the fiance. She's on this record. She always talks about me without you being her favorite band. When they did their uh, final tour, she was there at the LA shows doing the vocal for this song. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, you know, that that's that connection, right? <laughs> like, yeah, she's a, she's a fucking superstar. And, and she's there at me without you. But it's cool because, like, I think a lot of that has to do. She's just genuinely a fan of yeah. of these bands in that scene, yeah. just like we are. You know, like it's it's one of those things where it doesn't really matter how big somebody gets right. in this yeah. in this scene. Because yeah. I was actually just before I came on to talk to you tonight, I pulled up the uh, the farewell me without you concert on YouTube. And it's like two hours long. I didn't have. Yeah. I know I didn't have time to watch all of it, but yeah um maybe i won't finish it because if i don't finish it then they won't be gone right yeah <laughs> um but i remember kind of just trying to put myself in the mindset of this band and and the kind of the weird combination of aggression and meekness you know that they have and i commented to my wife while we were watching it like i was like uh so it's really weird how in 2005 i paid 15 bucks at the creepy crawl to see me without you and you know there were probably like yeah there were probably like 50 or 60 people there you yeah. know um and that's like how i went and saw tooth and nail and salt state bands back yeah. then you know part of the part of the reason i was into that scene is because i was poor and it was accessible <laughs> you know at a, at a very low asking price you know and um i also used to write letters to bands so a lot of the times i'd be like hey i noticed that you're coming to st louis on yada 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 that's a good way people at least back then to get onto guest lists yeah or or to get at the very least get free stickers yeah. you know but i remember just it being crazy because they were playing this huge theater and there were so many people in the crowd i mean it it, it was indistinguishable from watching like a corn live video there were so many people there yeah the Fillmore and uh Fillmore. yeah yeah yeah. yeah it was just That's it huge. was it was massive yeah you know and they've got all these stage props and it's all very big and it's very elaborate and I was just like, man, it's it's weird to me thinking about the fact that I'm watching me without you in this environment. And I'm not knocking it. I mean, I'm I'm stoked that, you know, like I was with the Lorna Shore thing. I'm so stoked that the music that I kind of cut my teeth on is being given the the real treatment. Yeah. You know, that a guy like Aaron Weiss doesn't seem the kind of guy that like necessarily cares if he's playing in front of 10,000 people or if right. he's playing yeah. in front of 100 people, you know. I don't think it actually matters to him, but it was really cool to see that, like just to see these, you know, a band that is like so niche, a band that that had never, never had any chance of being some mainstream successful band. 
right. is still able to to pull a crowd like that. And I think a lot of it is because, like I said, the, their fans are more emotionally invested. Right. I think a lot of bands, especially from this scene, as soon as you stop or you change or you do anything different, people bail. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of a testament to how powerful Me Without You's whole, I don't want to say shtick. It's crazy like how dedicated their fans are and how loyal they are even if they're not giving us the drug you know they're not giving us the 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 punk rock beat with the melodic guitar lines going behind it and aaron just yelling and different combinations of words and rhythms and all of that stuff like and i love all of that stuff and it always makes me smile when i hear it but um this band encouraged me to sort of look into the other songs and find kind of the meat like that and I think going forward after this album, you know, whenever you get into stuff like Pale Horses, it, it becomes like abstract. It becomes very abstract <laughs> and it becomes very like sort of slow, you know, like kind of slower paced, a lot more serious yeah. tone, a lot darker, you know. Um, and it's funny thinking that they'd put out such a dark record after putting this one out. Yeah. You know, because this is a record that I typically would listen to to feel better. I did that with this one and I did uh I did that with Brother Sister. They were records that I went to when I wanted to feel uplifted right or feel introspective. Um yeah, so like this is this is probably the last Me Without You album that had a really positive effect on my mindset. Whereas when I went into Pale Horses, trust me, I felt it and I was really really into it. Yeah. But not necessarily for the right reasons, right. <laughs> you know. Right. Um, because like I said, in the cave episode, sometimes I, I like, I tend to gravitate towards music where I can just kind of wallow in my own shit, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, me without you, like they're a band that unlocked, like, I don't know. I can't listen to them without dancing. Like it's, it's, it's that happy, like even pale horses, right? Like it's still got that energy to it, but yeah, oh, yeah. 10, 10 stories was just like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a ride. Like a song like Fiji mermaid is a great, like you know, put the top down, go driving when the weather's nice, like get out there versus like, you know, yeah, Bear's Vision of St. Agnes, which is like super dark and just like depressed. Barren rocks and sand, our wooden sculpture hands held like a timber hedge, held candles to the sun. If you didn't have all circles after that, it's like, woo, yeah, downer, yeah, it would end on a huge downer. Yeah, Fiji Mermaid, I actually like. Um, I actually like Aubergine too. It's like one of yeah. my. It's a song that I just chill out mm-hmm. uh, whenever I listen to it. Grist for the Malady Mill is is awesome. I'm a huge Turtles fan, so you know you talk about Casey Jones in a song. <laughs> um, probably not the reference that they were making. Probably not, but. Um, it's funny because every time every time we listen to that song, though, my wife always says something about Casey Jones. That's the funny thing about the Converge episode. I was like, your wife listened to Converge? You know, that's so crazy or whatever. And, like, I'm talking about this. Yeah, me and my wife are watching this and that. Um, I told her about that, too. Like, some of the feedback. Hey, people are like, that's so crazy that she listened to that whole Converge album. And, uh, and she's like, I don't know why people are surprised. I've been married to you for, like, a really long time and have mm-hmm. had four children with you. Like... Did you really think that I had not been like exposed or talked to <laughs> about these type of bands before I had a podcast? I mean, she was the only person that I did talk to about this kind of stuff. Yeah. 
at least the uh, at least the podcast listeners clicked on it because they're actually interested in it. It's right. not just being forced on them during a long car trip or <laughs> something like that. But actually, Me Without You is one of the bands that my wife probably, out of all the bands I like, is one of the ones that she likes the most. Maybe not to the point where she'd listen to it on her own, you right. know, alone. But, <laughs> uh, it was definitely one of the bands that she liked, uh, that she that she consistently has liked, you know, their output. And um, I don't know, it's just, this, this album especially just has this really great accessibility to it while still being very kind of obtuse and yeah. complex, you know, but it's like, easy entry you know it's like a video game you know like a strategy video game easy to pick up and play you know and pleasant but it takes a long time to kind of master it yeah you know uh, to, to really understand everything that's going on and how complex the storytelling actually is and uh it'll probably end up getting played a lot more by me uh you know coming up whenever i'm thinking about those kind of things but brian what do you got going on uh on as the story grows i, I mean i know but i want to hear you say it because i know there's a lot of stuff that you're really excited about that's coming so up. much I, I think by the time this podcast comes out uh there will be interviews with uh andrew schwab from project 86 and nice. jb from august burns red uh we got earth groans coming up on the podcast the ongoing concept so if you like solid state hardcore uh, plenty uh, what a tribe of Pazuzu if you're old school death metal head uh, that's going to be great Jerome's Dream um, Cross Keys Punk from Philadelphia they're fan phenomenal uh, Barry Tomorrow there's there's so many interviews so many and uh, yeah they're they're all great right now I don't know I've been just like every time I finished an interview recently I'm like that was fucking awesome so yeah. I'm having I'm having fun. The passion for music is the, the same as it was when I was 16, and so yeah, I'm definitely excited about the Jerome Stream one. And I uh, you got have been listen listening to, to nothing but like old school. Yeah, I've heard it. So you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, but I'm still excited about it. You know, yeah. um, because it's definitely a band that when we when we ever started doing stuff like this, doing podcasts, just the thought that like yeah, I'm gonna just like. You get to just say like, yeah, I have an interview with your own stream coming up, and that's just like that's a real thing that's happening. It's not like a right. one day I want to eventually talk to yada yada yada, right? Like, yeah. um, so I, like it was it was really cool even for me like hearing it vicariously through you, you know, <laughs> um, that that's you know that that's kind of where we've gotten with it, you know? Yeah. Um, like I said at the beginning, it's like being a kid in a candy store, you know, you get to do all of the neat things. Um, for me, I remember when I first started podcasting, one of the things that I used to do is I used to email record labels and because I didn't understand how like PR firms and stuff worked back then. So like I would actually email record labels and ask them for advanced releases and stuff to yeah. review and uh, didn't didn't ever really hear back from any of them because there's like it sounds like a kid in the Midwest that wants free records. Right. Um, it's funny that like all that comes full circle where like I just reviewed an album that doesn't come out, but as of the recording of this doesn't come out for another week, you yeah. know, and just that sort of that feeling of like, yeah, I'm finally at the point in my life where I'm doing the thing that I always wanted to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. but Brian, thank, thank you so much for coming on, man. I love this record. I love talking to you. And, um, I hope that, uh, I hope that when people are listening to this, that they also, you know, share their stories about these records, 
yeah. that we talk about because it's 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 fine that like we're up here talking about everything it means to us but i would definitely like to hear what what it means to all of you as well Thank you guys so much for listening to my conversation with Brian Patton of As the Story Grows. If you guys like Brian, make sure you tune into his podcast every week. And speaking of every week, we are halfway through season two of DFT's Dungeon, which absolutely blows my mind, considering the fact that I feel like I've only been making this show for a few weeks when I've actually been making it for somewhere close to eight months now. And uh, so I've got... 10 more episodes coming for season two before I take a four to six week break to kind of recoup and relax and recover a little bit from the burnout that comes from releasing a podcast episode every single week. So I hope you guys are looking forward to season three as much as I am, but I really hope you guys enjoy the rest of this season as well. Something I don't mention on the podcast too often because I don't want people to think that I'm shilling for myself, but I do have a Patreon. So if you guys ever felt the need to support the show financially, I do have a link to my Patreon down in the show notes of this episode. And I really want to thank all the people that have contributed to my Patreon so far. You guys have really helped make this show what it is today versus how it was whenever I started. So I thank you eternally for that. And if you guys want to follow the podcast, make sure that you are subscribed to it on your favorite podcasting app. I get a lot of downloads on episodes, but a lot of them are from people that are not subscribed to the podcast. So if you enjoy listening to these episodes every week, make sure you don't miss an episode and make sure to hit that subscribe button. Maybe even leave the show a review if you like it on your favorite podcasting app. And uh, if you guys want to follow me on socials, you can follow me at DFT Dungeon on Facebook, DFT9000 on Twitter, or DFT Dungeon on Instagram. And if you just want to send me an old-fashioned email, you can send it to dftdungeon at gmail.com. But the best place to get a hold of me is on my Discord server. That is where myself, listeners of the show, a lot of my close friends, we all hang out. We talk about music. We share memes. And we all have a great time. So I hope to see you guys on there soon. But if not, that's okay, too, because I will see you here next week.